Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Thanks for tuning into Americana Music Profiles. The next episode starts right now. You are tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles. Brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and americanamusicmagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. Bobcat is a one-man band like no other, drawing inspiration from the likes of garage rock, soul music, rhythm and blues, rockabilly, and Americana. This one-man band takes the notion one step further with ornate arrangements and minimal accompaniment. Bobcat is our guest on this edition of Americana Music Profiles. Bobcat, how are you? Welcome to the podcast. Ah, thanks for having me on. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy morning to join us here today. Uh, <laughs> you are in uh, Long Island, New York, is that correct? Yes, I am. We, we're chatting uh, here mid-December. Uh, <laughs> is it cold there for you yet? Uh, it's about 30 degrees outside. Getting ready for the ice storm. I, I think we're expecting one coming up through the East Coast this morning. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure we're going to get it. Any kind of weather in New York always gets it. <laughs> so, tell me a little bit about yourself and your musical journey. How did How did music itself start for you? Have you always been in New York? Did you grow up with it as a child? Yeah, I mean, I live in. I mean, I always grew up in New York. Um, I, I play in a, a psychobilly band called the Arkham's. Primarily, that's been my thing for the last close to twenty years. Okay. Um, you know, before that, I played in a band called the Black Market Band, the Devil Spades, and then like a few local Long Islanders didn't really do much other than that. Yeah, I'm I'm a lifer with music. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for the last 15 years, that's been what I do. Yeah, and and um, as a child, uh, introduced to it at what what stage? Piano, guitar. What was your first instrument? First instrument was mandolin when I was four years old. Okay. My uh, grandma and grandpa got me that. Yeah. Uh, and in mandolin, what what was your first what was your first musical endeavor? Mandolin mandolin usually leans itself to country bluegrass flavors. Well, uh, my first actual musical endeavor, yeah. You know, even though I learned you know G C D A E, you know, on on the mandolin. My real passion for music was when I listened to the Beatles live at the BBC circa 1994. Okay, awesome. Now, Beatles live at the BBC, it's not your standard Beatles album. It's like it was before they 
um, before they became the Beatles, they were doing like a lot of rhythm and blues, rockabilly, yeah, soul music classics. That's what prompted me after I learned all you know all that album rudimentary. I wasn't no no John or George or Paul on the guitar, uh-huh. but it prompted me. Oh, okay. The original version of Kansas City is this. The version they listened to is something other than this. Uh-huh. This is how you know, and I did that with almost every song on the album. Interesting. And that's what really got me. I went. My first huge rockabilly kick was at the age of about sixteen. So I listened to other stuff as well. You know, it was the nineties, and we had grunge, we had the ska revival. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But this was right before the Brian Setzer swing revival. Right. And right, right before that, by the time of that swing revival, you know, where Brian Setzer's music was getting airplay again. Oh, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. I was already knee-deep in it where I knew it. And I could join bands, assuming um, assuming they wanted to actually play that stuff. And, of course, Long Island, they didn't. Right. Long Island, my first, the first real band I played in, it was a five-piece. Um, I guess it was kind of alternative rock. Kind of had a Nirvana influence, kind of had a Marilyn Manson influence, kind of had a um, Guns N' Roses influence. But it was fun playing with those cats. And mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. to this day, I still stay in touch with most of them on, on a very, you know, once, twice a year basis. Yeah, that's cool. When did the songwriting aspect of this come into play for you? Well before that. Songwriting started around 1997. Again, the first song I wrote, it was it actually ended up on an Arkham's album called I, a song called I Want a Woman. That song, it was, it was a rewrite of Rockabilly when I described the weekend of a 15-year-old kid mm-hmm. living on Long Island. But it's very like, you know, it's Friday night, I'm all alone, ain't doing nothing but hanging around the home. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's... Uh, it's one of those songs. It's a throwaway song. But you know what? My bandmates wanted to do it because we didn't have a lot of experience then. Not not those bands. Not the 90s bands at the Arkham circa 2006. Right. And it made its way into our set. Yeah. You know? Not like anything, you know, not unlike anything else. And it quickly got phased out because I started writing better songs. I had, you know, real, you know, real actual collaborators. That was the first time. The Arkham's was the first time where I had real collaborators working with me. Yeah. Um, and- before that, I mean, I collaborated with with people that was very limited on what they would want to do and what I would want to do. The Arkham's had, you know, at least Matt, Sean, Johnny had an open mind about. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And and that particular group you, you mentioned was kind of your your regular gig and, and you guys are mostly um playing limited to that area where you live oh no the arkham's no we we toured the hell out of the u.s okay in fact i'm trying to get back on i'm, I'm booking a tour in april you know originally it was going to be april and may i extended it on both sides now it's going to be from the end of march through really september october yeah. november the sky's the limit because I'm selling this cab company. As you hear, I'm answering the phone taxi, you know, intermittently. <laughs> selling this cab company, I found a buyer. Okay. Um, Long Island kind of sucks. Um, I want to get back out on tour. I have this year. I put out two 15 song albums of original material. 
Okay. I have a third in the can ready to go. Now, a lot of them, a lot of those songs, especially on the first album, are what I call back catalog. Uh-huh. How some of them, some of these songs, um, some of these songs were written in the 90s. There's one song, Only Sounds Goodbye, which was written in like 1998. It's a ballad of, you know, again, it's written by a kid who, uh, you know, just guys heartbroken for the first mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm. But it's not, um, it's not anything to write home about because I've written better songs since, you know, I've written hundreds of better songs since then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, you know, some of the songs were written in the nineties on that album, on the first album. Some of them, a lot of them were written 10, 15 years ago when the Arkans were really doing it. It just, it's just back catalog songs that we didn't really want to, at the time and some of it was stuff hey you know i mean everyone had a deeply personal experience in the pandemic right sure i got a few, you know i got a few songs from the first album and a lot of them on the second album that i wrote when when the pandemic happened mm-hmm. and, you, and you, I, you said the arkham's are more in more kind of psychedelic and then you've got this no. one Psychobilly. 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 Gotcha. Okay. Um, so the Arkhams are more psychobilly, and then you've got this one-man band thing going on too, right? Is that kind of your – is that what you That's do when the band – right now. Yeah. I mean, right now, because Long Island, there's really not a lot of guys playing music, like anything remotely close to this on the island. Um, the guys on Long Island playing music, but, you know – because it's so expensive to live here, no one really wants to tour, and the ones that do want to tour aren't hit to this mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. Nor, nor do I want to bring someone on tour that I can't pay. Sure, that's worse. Right, right. I bring, I bring someone on tour. I want to make sure that they can earn, you know, a hundred, two hundred a day or more. <laughs> right. So as I, as I build momentum for this project, there'll be more to go around than a hundred or two a day. But, yeah. Uh, Right now, with how with how everything is, I want to build the momentum that brings that brings this project to that. So when you go out then, with your band, the Arkhams, your goal is to play this the, the psychobilly music um, as a as a band versus as the one man band, like a full band. Oh yeah, well my goal with the one man band is to make a make a one-man band sound like a, a full band. Gotcha. Okay. You know, and yeah. eventually, um, whatchamacallit, and eventually expand the one-man band. But that's not going to happen until the one-man band gains momentum. Then I can add a second guy, a sure. third guy, yeah. or, or gal. Yeah. Not, um, Well, the music has this really interesting uh, uh, rockabilly kind of meets Elvis Costello uh, in the '80s feel to it. I, it, it <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you noticed that. Yeah. That's, okay. Cool. So the, the funny thing is the Elvis Costello thing. So I never thought I sounded like Elvis Costello, and. Even uh, the singer Matt in the Arkham's and I, 
were like, yeah, I, I love, I like the Elvis Costello album, so I don't like how his voice is mixed, how it's very loud. Uh-huh. Next thing you know, on the first Arkham's album, Road to Arkham, I sang a song called Next Time You Sing, which is kind of like the show closer for the Arkham's. It's, you know, it's what I call Beatlesque Rockabilly. That's the first song outside of maybe the Quakes, uh-huh. but really not. Quakes might be the only other band with their album Last of the Human Beings, huge influence on, on my sound. Um, they're a Beatlesque psychedelic band. Right. The, the Arkham's have a Beatles, certainly on Next Time You Sing. I'm a huge Beatles fan. And not many people in the punk and psychobilly scenes or rockabilly are Beatles fans. Mm. In fact, it's not very cool for hit to listen to the Beatles in those scenes. <laughs> they barely will listen to Elvis Costello. Yeah, okay. You know, to to them, they you know, Elvis Costello's not hit. Yeah. You know, they want to hear something else other than Costello. But I remember the next thing you know, we're listening back on the recordings. And he's like, dude, your voice sounds like Elvis Costello. Mm, mm-hmm. And then I played the song, like, before the album was released, we, we do everything independently. I've never been on a label, nor do I want to be on a label, unless it's for booking purposes, touring purposes. Mm-hmm. But not, um, not anything other than that. I don't want to actually sign a contract with anyone. Right. So the, the new album that you have out uh so you said you just released basically released two and there's a third one on the way is it did i understand that correctly oh yeah yep yeah well well the way this stuff came together so i've had a few failed attempts at doing a really decent uh solo so the first attempt was in 2008 i remember this is a funny story so there was um, there was a show that the Arkham's played all the time. In uh, it was called the Rock and Roll Spook Show. It was the last Saturday, no, first Saturday of every month in Pittsburgh. And my friend Amanda Kill, that's, that's her like stage name, she put it on, mm-hmm. and she would always take us to this vegetarian brunch spot that I thought was amazing, and they had a thrift shop in there, and I saw a, a '60s Hammond D3. That they were giving away for a hundred bucks. Wow, a 1960s B3 organ, like exactly the organ that I want. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. You know, everyone wants that organ, right? And I was like, hell, I have a tour van. There's two weeks for the next tour. I'm gonna go out to Pittsburgh and load this the fuck in. I'm gonna make a weekend of it. Go out that Saturday night and that Sunday morning because I will have already put the money down with my receipt load this bad boy into my truck because they've had that organ at their facility 10 years prior. Uh, okay. No one, no one could move it. You know, who cared about it? And I was like, I'm three. Are you crazy? I'm <laughs> right. <laughs> I'd be crazy not to. Right. Cause those things are, Hey, they're expensive. And it worked. It sounded great. And it was all tube. It was all like, Hmm. You know, exactly what you want in an organ. Mm-hmm. So I trucked that back to me. I didn't have, it didn't have a Leslie, but who cares? That you could uh, recreate digitally. Right. Stick, some, stick a pedal on it or something. Um, so I trucked that back to New York. I set it up in my basement, which is like my music room. And the next thing you know, um, t- um, my friend who puts on shows, um, she puts on the 
Psychobilly Lua. Now, now she's in the band uh, Spirit Rebel Angels. Um, my friend Laura. Uh, you probably know her. She does a lot of work. She's, you know, they're one of the most prominent fans. Mm. Back then, she was just putting on festivals and shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. So her older brother, this guy Ian, um, was talking to me about building a studio and wanting to get vintage organs. I, I was, I pitched it to him. I was like, "Would you be interested in recording an album with me um, in exchange for, a, you know, a 1960s B3 in your studio?" And he was like, "Absolutely! If I can get that that B3 into the studio, I will record the album." many tracks as you want hmm. you know with like not unlimited studio time but then i got to the studio and it wasn't a very conducive environment to creation so mm-hmm. i was like oh, you know what this is my learning experience and then you know continuing on with the arkans i'm like you know what we're gonna be more prolific we might as well um might as well keep it going you know keep this i don't care about the solo record i'll put something like that out at some point in the game. And then well, a couple of years went by. So, um, and then 2014, um, another opportunity presented itself where I can record some music. And that was the studio that my friends, so I opened up a taxi company in 2012, pre Uber, and we did amazing. And it actually kind of took me away from the Arkham's. The only thing that would take me away from the Arkham's. Um, you know, I, I made money with that. Mm-hmm. In 2014, the owner of a, like, it was a local hipster bar, but, you know, he was friends with me, and he opened up a studio. And he actually needed to get one of his engineers, um, the guy Daryl from Ben Glaster, a hardcore band from Long Island from years ago. Um, he needed to get him back and forth. It was a 50-mile trip each way for at least a month. So it was, it, was a, it was a big ride, you know, it was a big ride. And I was like, hey, listen, instead of bothering money, can I record in your studio? You know, can I record an album in your studio? Right. Um, and he's like, absolutely. If you're, you know, if that's the barter payment, I was, you know, I was hoping it would be a barter. I was like, cool. And that was, some of the sessions came out good. The intern there actually became a good friend of mine. Um, and we stay in touch. And he was telling me, yeah, that was one of your best sessions. I was, you know, in those good spirit performance. And it was, because I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. But um, it didn't come together. It didn't, you know, and again, I got pulled apart in a million different ways, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. at the time I had a partner, and it was three years of, uh, it's what I wrote the song Turtle about, <laughs> mm. um, on, on the first album. So I had a partner, and I couldn't actually get away, you know, record a song. And this is how it was for three years of my life. Hmm. How, you know, it wasn't the first year. The first year of the company was good because there was no partners and no, like... Right, 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 yeah. Then, you know, I wanted to eventually get away and do some music again. And the only one really interested in working with me in more of a uh, long-term thing was someone who wanted to be a partner. Hmm. And, you know, the whole partnership was predatory. That's what that song Predatory Partner is about. So there's two songs, both song number 13 on the first album and the second album, that are about that experience. Hmm. 
predatory partner and turtle. We're both about the same thing. Do you have so, um, do you have names for the for these albums? Are they uh, uh, titles? Oh, the Bobcat album. Well, the first album is self-titled. It's just a picture of a cat on the cover. Uh-huh. Yeah, I saw that. And like record vinyl-y stuff that uh, you know, me and my friends quickly uh, quickly created out of nothing. We we're like, yeah, you know what? I I didn't expect any, to do anything with it. Uh-huh. You know, I'm still needy from the cabs. All right. Um, yeah, I might, might have done a show a month with the one man band. It wasn't really, wasn't really anything to build momentum out. So, and then the second album, um, my mother drew that cover. She oh, did cool. a perfect caricature of me. Yeah. Yeah. That's She's awesome. a caricature artist. That's awesome. That's she drew cool. a caricature of me. And that was the second album. It's called second album less than a year because, you know, I, I found that to be a pretty decent accomplishment that I can put out. Two albums in less than a year, all of fifteen original songs. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. With, with performances, you know, with performance I can stand behind. It's perfect. No, I think each album has about two or three highlights, five or six decent songs, and the rest are uh, are fluff. Only thing I hope is album two better than album one. Yeah. Album three. Better than album two. Yeah. Album four, which I'm already two songs into now. I, I, I like to put 15 songs on an album to really give you your money's worth. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also for, for my purposes. I can throw it against, not, but throw ideas against the wall. I always been doing this. You know, like my first album, the first song is like a stop. It's called Smoke and Mirrors. That's, you know, it's like garage, like a psychedelic garage. Second, second song on that album. It does a, you know, it does a hundred and eighty shift transition into like a Smokey Robinson influenced soul music. Yeah. Third song, cool. things have changed, which is you know, definitely got that Elvis Costello influence, definitely got a Beatles influence, definitely got the surf music influence. I, you know, I'm playing like a tremolo guitar. You yeah. Know, and, yeah. You know, and then the fourth song, yeah, that's that's more of a rockier song. Yeah. Then the fifth song, Thoughts of Impending Doom, is an instrumental. It's like a jazzy, get you know, slide guitar instrumental. Will it do anything? Who knows? But it's a melody I had rolling around in the back of my head for yeah for fifteen years. Yeah, might as well put it out. Song six, "Lonely Sounds Goodbye." That's a song I wrote in nineteen ninety eight. Song seven, "I Know What I Did." That was the newest song on that album, being that I wrote it in two thousand twenty one. Uh, okay. Uh, song eight, "Danielle's Not a Girl," I dated you know twenty years ago. Song nine, listen to me, baby. It's, it's a collaboration with me and my bandmate Chinese from the Arkham's. He unfortunately passed away five years ago, but you know, it's like you know, it's an organ-driven soul song. Mm-hmm. It originally started like the rockabilly too, and then as I listened to it, I was like, you know what? There's too much guitar, and the guy that owns this studio, he's like he's like the guy that owned the studio in Manhattan. In 2000, 2008, how this guy also, and, and I, I record to in Hickson, he has a vintage drum set, a, um, it's a Slingerland from the 50s. So it's a gorgeous old school drum set. It gets sounds that you can't get on any modern kit. Um, and he also has a collection of, he has an old Hammond. He has an old Wurlitzer. He has an old uh, 
What is that? A Fender Rhodes piano. He's got an old Lowry organ. Like these are, you know, these are desirable organs, and, and they make their way into my music because I. Yeah, yeah. Those are those are great great sounds for that for that flavor of music for sure. So for any you know for you know. Yeah. Plus, you know, all the synths and stuff. I'm not yeah. really much of a synthetic, but I'm sure I'll make use of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so he's got, you know, he's got that. And I was like, all right, you know what? I want to do this song organ driven. Mm. Because I've never done yeah. that before. And for Rockaway Tune, I just keep the guitar playing rhythm in the background. Yeah. Yeah. That's and cool. give it a much different flavor. And then song 10, it's a song about uh, dealing with the mobster. Things mm. you're not supposed to know. Because... His two favorite questions he'd ask people. Hi, is, is your name John? How do you know that? Hmm. Uh, you, you know, he, that's his thing. He, he treats everything like it's something you're not supposed to know. Mm -hmm. I actually showed it to the guy. He, he got a laugh out of it. Because hmm. all the things that he said, like he, he would he would tell, he was in a restaurant. He would tell the guy, um, if he was like training someone, he's like, and answer your phone on the first ring. I was like, that's incredibly bold to tell some dude you just met five minutes ago. Answer your phone on the first ring. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. that's one of the most bold things I ever heard him say. Yeah. That's cool. He, you know, he doesn't, I, I mean, with me, you know, he, we BS. Me, he calls because, you know, I do, I, I do some business and we drive in places. And, I answer the phone on first ring. I see he calls it, and he's like, you listened to my advice, didn't you? I'm like, yeah, yes, I did. You know, um... So you've then, got the we we've got a uh, we're heading here towards the uh, towards the break, and I want to make sure we get um, uh, a way for people to contact you and reach out and uh, find out where your tour is going to be and that kind of thing. What's oh the, what's hell the, yeah! What's the best way for right. people to connect with you? I would say Facebook, uh, www Facebook slash Bobcat One Man Band. I'm also on Instagram, same handle. I'm also on YouTube, same handle. I'm also on uh, TikTok, same handle. I'm on Spotify. You search Bobcat One Man Band. If you uh, just, uh, just put in DuckDuckGo, I like DuckDuckGo rather than Google. Mm -hmm. um, put in the DuckDuckGo search, Bobcat One Man Bands. Find me, you know, I'm on all, all the mediums, Bandcamp, Reddit, Quora, nothing I don't do. And the Arkhams as well, are they are they uh, searchable? Well, the Arkhams, yeah, yeah, we're also searchable. Put it in Google. We just put out a single about, about six weeks ago called Worst Enemy. And how do you spell Arkhams? A-R-K-H-A-M-S right. Well thank you Bobcat This has been good uh, To get to know about you And your band and your music It's uh, I, I love the sound that you guys have created So we certainly wish you well With the, with the Arkham's tour And, and also your, uh, your, your Most recent endeavors And the new album that's on the way oh, Thank you very much Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.